She feel my mother with ideas I'm the highest in the room Hope I make it out of here We ain't stressing about the loop My block made a case for real This not the molly, this the boot All right, folks, we are back once again live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and a what's up? And welcome back to another episode of How You Living? The only show recorded live in the Chaz Tower in the Million Dollar Studios. As always, how you living, Chaz? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I can't complain at all. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, you know what? Like, real talk, we're probably going to talk about it um, throughout the podcast, but these debates that just passed, they kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I was only catching um, glimpses of it. I actually saw some of it at work because there was a break room thing that was on CNN one evening, so I caught a little bit of it live, and then I've, I've only been able to see a few of the clips. But yeah, it did. Um, yeah, they're becoming less publicized, which is kind of unfortunate since uh, we're trying to, you know, upseat a president. So, uh, yeah. What? Uh, so, from what you kind of overheard through it, I mean, obviously, part of the reason with that is, um, and I'm also living well here in our uh, late October, uh, first night of the World Series here, uh, and uh, we might as well since we're kind of getting into it about these debates, start off with our original segment. Oh, yeah. Because there's a show that we did in the very beginning, and we decided to talk about the previous show, and we created... Yeah. On the callbacks. Yeah. callbacks. That's right. We created callbacks. So, um, callback to all of our discussions over the last six months about these debates... And uh, the candidates that are participating in on the Democratic side, uh, what have you kind of heard filter-wise from that? Uh, <clears throat> not too much filter-wise. Like, I think, I think it's the same refrain, refrain coming down the pipe. Like, Yang didn't get enough time, even though he got more time than he usually does. Uh, they always trying to squash uh, Tulsi's voice. Um, kind of like, you know, Biden, um, Warren and Sanders still being the front runners. Um, you know, like it, it, it was, it was more of the same. There was one new person there, um, <clears throat> that was a billionaire and had very, I wouldn't say interesting takes. Like he pretty much like agreed with the sentiment of other people and it was his first time on the stage, um, uh, but one of the interesting things he said is that he felt like the person to beat Trump is basically a better billionaire. Like he's like, I'm a billionaire, but you know, like remember, like in the two box song, he's like, "Yo, I made a G today, but you made it in a sleazy way, right?" Right. Like he's got the person that's kind of like, "I, I make my millions in a sleazy way. You should vote for me, hi girl." <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and and that's there's something sad about our times right now that it's like is it r- being rich or celebrity that gets you elected you know at this point, which is sad that those are like the two most important, uh, you know reasons somebody is uh, electable in this mm-hmm. day and age you know because even even behind the scenes of these lesser candidates or uh, the competitive dim candidates 
uh, you know, they're get, gaining millions of dollars to run these campaigns. So Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting to see how much money it takes to run a campaign. Like, like I find uh, Andrew Yang's campaign to be very interesting because he gamifies a lot of things from it. Like, he'll have these markers going up with, like, a little cartoon version of himself saying, like, we're, you know, $5 million away from our $10 million goal for Q3. And the fact that he uses quarters, like, he's a business, like, he is always represented on the stage as entrepreneur Andrew Yang. Uh, but the fact that he's like, we're going to raise money in Q3, and I'm just like, 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 are you trying to tell us your quarterly earnings or something? Like, like, and he always, he speaks in very businessy terms and everything. He's all like, yeah, you know, you need to take stock in this country. That's why I'm giving you the freedom dividend. And he talked about, he's all like, yeah, you know, all those big tech companies, they own your data. Where's your data check? Yeah, I'm going to get you your data check. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Wow, okay. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yo, Connor, what are you living <laughs> off? Uh, I'm just living off my data check, bro. Like, I have so much data. <laughs> I have, like, all the data, bro. So, like, I don't even have to work, dude. I just get, like, a sick data check. I just surf and get data checks, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but no, no. I think that's one of the places where he makes a really good point. Where he's saying, like, a lot of tech companies, they do own your data. Yeah, and, well, yeah. And they sell access to it um, through, like, ads and such. And and then that's what makes them the big bucks. Yeah. That is a giant Pandora's box, though, because all the companies we go to are collecting our data. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's some big regulation that, balls. That is, the, that is the divvy that economy out. in some ways right now. See, and that's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> and so... uh I don't know if we have additional callbacks, but... I really don't. Uh, so we can move into the episode. I believe, uh, we're at like 82, 83. Where are we at? We at 82. 82. Episode 82. Cool. Because, um, yeah, I was thinking about that today. Like how much our economy rides on the like coattails of Christmas season. And like that's why it's called Black Friday. Oh, yeah. And, and I, know, I know online sales have like disrupted this like stream... To a degree, yeah, because it spreads the the ordering habits of a lot of Americans over the course of a year. Cyber Monday, but there's still these concentrated areas, yeah, around like November, December, um, that really make the money. And I can see it just in like the construction habits of these places that are like building out like targets and stuff. Oh yeah, they're opening them now. The reason they're all stocking the shelves now in October is they're going to be open for uh, late Halloween through thanksgiving through christmas holiday so if you're opening in a new building and you want to start getting revenue because you've been spending all this money investing in this building Mm -hmm. you're gonna like oh let's hit that christmas sale time so uh, it's just kind of like wow it's weird how many assets our economy has in that when you start retail and then the purchase power and delivery of such goods it's an it's an intriguing along with what you were saying just the economies of these uh, these campaigns. Yeah, if I could wax poetic for a little second, because like growing up and now um, being able to like start our own businesses and thinking that way too, I have been kind of just like dissecting in my head, and not in a very serious way, but kind of just in an observational way of the cadence of basically like sales 
and everything that happened in our society and how it goes. Like, of course, there's the Christmas season, and some of that could be tied to, like, Christmas bonuses and, you know, taking vacations and, you know, just, like, the, the consumerism that is, you know, the day after Thanksgiving to uh, December 25th. Right, and we've bought into a brand for it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's got all this icon shit. You know, that's like, it's like rivals like Star Wars and Mickey Mouse with like Mm -hmm. the amount of like with Santa and Frosty, the reindeer and Mm -hmm. like all the like icon ship they have that goes around it. So it adds to their marketing campaigns, you know, which is like the other secret kind of piece of American economy is marketing. Oh, yeah. They all like all commercials are basically propaganda. Like, you know. But but we know this. Right. Well, and what's funny is now what I what I like to pick out is anytime there's a funny moment in an ad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's so funny, the economy of comedy now. Because mm. comedy is used so much in, like, advertising and all these things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's, like, trying to deliver it in, like, this oftentimes kind of, like, obvious way. Like, why are we doing this? You know? Mm-hmm. But, um... But it, it's just funny to me to, to think of someone like I'm writing this joke and then someone's like, oh, my God, that would sell so many Coca-Colas. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> I remember um, I was I think I've mentioned it before on the, the show Crash Course when they were doing the media literacy thing <clears throat> and the way that they brought up jingles. And then like they're like, I'm stuck on Band-Aid brands because and then they stopped it. It's like, could you finish it? And then and they're saying like how earworms like that just get in your head and you just it's like because band aid stuck on me like and yeah. it's just like you know it goes there but like after Christmas season like funny enough like even though I'm like NFL eh these days like the Super Bowl <laughs> you know like another, di- there's yeah. a very big advertisement thing around there and, uh, like party economy icon ship yeah right and then like you know from a business perspective like if you want to make them like a really big impact like culturally you get yourselves a super bowl commercial now in the digital age i don't know how big of an impact that is anymore right because i haven't heard personally but this is very anecdotal about a football commercial being as iconic as budweiser like and things like that but i still feel like it is like you get a lot of eyes on it yeah. Um, and there's still a lot of people you can influence with, uh, you know, very quirky ads or very, like, you know, patriotic ads or just... Well, and, I mean, obviously, we're consuming most of our ads now watching our streaming sites mm-hmm. like or in-between streaming sites, like free trials and things. So they can do these, you know, expensive ad campaigns on the Super Bowl, and then you recognize it when it's the, like, small window mm-hmm. ad going, oh, you're like, oh, this one, it's got the horse in it, you know. Uh, and so they get that. They end up running it as just kind of their internet ad for like three months after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then it kind of fades out. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that in itself is like an intriguing. Just our U.S.'s kind of adoption of marketing is the number one way to like um, provide capitalism's information, mm-hmm. and so it's just basically become pervasive in our existence. And it's tied to all of the economy because it's advertising all the goods and services and kind of coerces our buying behaviors. Yeah, and it's and it's very interesting how many of our like because we there's sales, but then there's always like sales on particular days. And I feel like American that sales happen on either days people are supposed to have off or on times where people are supposed to get money. 
Right. Or, because that's like, not a bad. Yeah. Yeah, because you have President's Day and Martin Luther King Day is like come down to Lowe's for our Martin Luther King Day sale, and then you know whatever people would want to be doing for their house, you're gonna be like get a discount on this, blah 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 blah. Because <laughs> he had a dream. Right. And then like you know tax season comes around, it's all like you got that refund, huh? Yeah. You know I want your refund money. How about you come here and spend your refund money <laughs> with me? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, basically, just send your refunds to how you live in. Yeah, yeah, but get sent to our you Patreon I mean? page. We want your like, refund money. Why not? I'm going to let that joke, like, like if you've never Settle. heard of a brick joke, that brick just went up. Like, you know, when we record around tax time, I'm going to be like, yeah. yo, give me that refund money. Right. <laughs> I need a podcast Tesla. All the other podcasts have a podcast Tesla. We're not going to be the only one. We're a political podcast. We should have a Tesla. Uh, yeah, I know. The economy's weird. Advertising's weird. It's 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 like this known ruse. So we just kind of like all fall for it and then ignore it. it becomes, right. And it becomes more powerful because of that. But I will tell y'all something. <laughs> Be- because I'm a person who likes to think creatively with pen and paper, like doing doodles, writing things down, like like putting things together, color coding shit. My favorite sale that happens regionally, or not regionally, seasonally, is back to school because you get discounts on that shit like what? (laughs) (laughs) Book bags, man. It's a good time to get a book bag. Yeah, no, that's another one. And that's definitely aimed at a certain bracket of people. But then, yeah, there are kind of like side deals that come with that like you're like oh shit i needed a new notebook right no you can get mad notebooks like if you like to write if you like to journal a lot of places <laughs> are like you know five for a dollar like to school it's ridiculous. is ridiculous yeah i mean it's killing trees but you know <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> which is worse i wonder getting that the the heavy earth metals to run your digital version or uh-huh. reading the paper who knows probably the probably the paper ultimately um yeah it's 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 a strange economy we just have to kind of and then you know that's all tied to the political end because yeah. these political leaders you know set up frameworks and and uh and kind of build the direction that that economy system that's got all those other facets like marketing and 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 stuff built in you know and then it's got all its other side work like right the defense department and <laughs> and like all this other stuff that it spends money on yeah uh, and then just like so y'all know because you know we like to break things down from like the national level the state level and you know the local level when it comes to money too remember how i say it's a holiday or you know you got paid well cities really like to go after you when you get paid like how many like come out on friday night are there at places you know how many deals are people doing on like oh you know it's the first of the month we know you got money <laughs> why you ain't spending it <laughs> yeah so yeah you gotta you gotta save and you um you start a podcast mm-hmm. and you know you just join itunes that's that's the, <laughs> that's the ultimate solution that fixes it all uh but yeah, was there any other topics that you kind of had lined up on this week? Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna riff a little bit more on the uh, debates because I finished watching it uh, not too long ago, and uh, even though I felt like it was more of the same, it basically just uh, codified 
everything that the candidates were about. I think this time they're a little bit better at giving candidates the space to talk about things. And basically, I think the way they handled it, I don't know if these were the official rules, but basically they had a collection of topics. And from those collection of topics, they would usually lead with the person who either it was their primary um, platform thing or they were the most popular person in the polls that had that platform thing. And then other people who had varying defenses or, you know, critiques of it were allowed to have their chance to say things. And sometimes, you know, people ran over and took more time than they should have. Um, and, you know, there was a little there's some to the test um, in there. Overall, I think you kind of get like the whole deal of um, the whole like I mentioned earlier, Biden and Warren and uh, Bernie being Sanders. the front runners. Yeah. Um, I still feel like uh, Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar are very much the like they're, they're the we don't we don't want to be revolutionary we want to be practical right and and I and the interesting thing that I found from them is uh, they felt like they were on the back foot the entire time. Right. Like Biden was always like, yeah, you want all this stuff. Well, I got you stuff. And and yeah. then uh, <laughs> Bernie came in. He was all like, yeah, you may have gotten us stuff, but you also kind of fucked us up in these other ways. Like, you know, like the four billion job or the, the four million jobs with NAFTA that went overseas and things like that. So, you know, and and Biden was talking about how he got like the uh, the. Uh, machine gun ban happening so like he he tried to play himself as like a leader I'm, yeah. I, yeah i'm the person who can get shit done and i've been in the job before but i don't remember him basically explicitly saying barack obama like everyone's been making fun of him and saying that he just keeps yeah bringing him up right and then warren like they so the interesting thing about warren is like she's been definitely the person uh, taking the brunt of the attacks from other people. Um, and it, it was interesting because both uh, Tulsi and Kamala tried to get Warren to agree with them on something, on, like, a very specific framing. Um, Tulsi, like, so Tulsi was back. Tulsi wasn't in the third debate, but she uh, got enough people for the fourth debate. Uh, and she basically came in there with, uh, like, the first time she got a lead out, um, a talking point was with about regime change wars. And she wanted uh, Elizabeth Warren to basically say, like, yes, are you against regime change wars? And I feel like every time Warren gets a sort of, uh, I want to pigeonhole you into a certain space things, like, she does worm her way out of it. But I don't want to frame it like that because I feel like the framing of the question is pernicious in and of itself. And if you want to be, you know, just intellectually honest, you do have to not answer the question directly. And and basically her answer, if I remember it correctly, was basically like, yes, I agree with you, but we aren't talking about the nuance of how we're going to do it. Like, we know why we're going to do it, because it's wasteful, and we shouldn't be taking American imperialism to that point. But um, just saying, like, but also looking at it in a way that's not going to negatively impact us in the future and you know making sure that like we understand when we pull out what are we leaving there once we do and things like that so it i mean i agree with them both i don't like regime change wars but you know unless like i feel like tulsi was still lacking in a bit of nuance in anything she was saying uh and she's still kind of uh like 
she she's still the candidate she is and i think uh like i saw her on those times on joe rogan she's still the person who's trying to bridge the gap between the two parties and she spoke more to about like the heart of uh, being an american more so than like practical applications of um things she wanted to implement other than kowtowing off of other people's stuff it's a dangerous dance yeah that's a dangerous dance uh and yeah. then uh, Kamala, uh, she was talking about how Trump um, and his Twitter presence, 65 million people that follow him, how he uses that as the bully pulpit in, the, in a sense, um, intimidating people who might uh, actually testify against him in impeachment and all that. And, and again, like Elizabeth Warren basically flipped the script and said, like, like, I'm not trying to get him off of Twitter. I'm trying to get him out of the White House. Right? And then basically paraphrasing, she says, who are you going to trust? People that take money from the big corporations, pointing to like Kamala and like some of the other people up there. Are you going to trust me and Bernie? Right, Because she put him in there real quick. That said, very blatantly, we ain't taking any money. And <laughs> so, so basically, I think that uh, Warren... All my biases included. Um, it did a pretty job, a pretty good job of uh, defending the attacks that she was getting, and did a good job of positioning basically like, like basically I feel like Warren and um, Bernie were basically saying, "Why the fuck don't you want a revolution?" Like <laughs> it's it, right. it, it, like that was the underlying implication of everything they were saying. Where, like, you know, and then, like, I feel, I haven't mentioned Cory Booker, or, um, I'm just gonna call him that dude from Texas, because I can't, uh, Beto O'Rourke as much, because I feel like, like, again, this is, like, a little bit of my bias, but I also, kind of the way I'm framing this right now after the fourth debate is, are you a candidate who I feel, like, could shepherd your ideas if you were into the White House, or are you a person that has a few good quips here and there or maybe one good uh, one good policy that someone else would be better at shepherding it on them? And I feel like both Beto and um, Cory Booker have said really good things. Like, I really like uh, Cory Booker and his stance about LGBT. Like, anytime he gets a chance, he, he puts it out there and he has a very nuanced and very understanding take about the whole, you know... Um, understanding of that, at least from like from the platitudes that he spews during, you know, that's um, that's good, right? Like that's a good place and to be. and I I like how impassioned uh, Beto O'Rourke is about guns. I think he's it being very impractical, <laughs> <laughs> but like wow. I, I mean I mean I get it, I love it, and but it's not like the front runners and. And those people aren't really in that same boat. And Pete Buttigieg, because Pete Buttigieg was kind of like on the attack on this one a little bit. Like, he felt like he was on the back foot. So he was all like, yo, I'm out here throwing haymakers. Like, like I am here. I am the moderate candidate. Moderate this fist. Moderate this fist. Like, that's how I felt like Pete Buttigieg was at this <laughs> last, last debate. Okay. <laughs> uh, he but- just got out of a yoga class. <laughs> like, minutes before the debate. He's like, I'm ready. Because, uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke came out. He was all like, at the last debate, we're like, we're going to take away your guns. So how are you going to take away their guns? <laughs> and and then, like, he said a bunch of things. And Pete Buttigieg was all like, you know what? Like, I agree with you, fam. But you don't really got a plan. So when you come out with a plan, and then I can debate you. But you ain't got a plan. So, you know, wave them off, dog. <laughs> and Okay. So that's, that's how I felt. Uh, Pete Buttigieg handled that. 
Uh, whenever Metal Care for All came up, like, like both Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar were very much the like, I get it. You want to have everybody like their insurance. And... <laughs> And what I'm saying is that, like, if you just take everybody off their insurance, what if they like it? And I'm like, during all these debates, I'm like, nobody's asking why. And I did post a question on one of my friends' uh, Facebook page. And one guy said that I liked my insurance before Obamacare. And he said that because his premiums went up um, and he had to get a less effective plan to be paying the same amount that he wanted before, right? And I was like, that makes sense. Uh, so, and so then we got into a little tete-a-tete about, like, the fact that Medicare for All would remove the need for premiums and uh, co-pays and deductibles. And uh, I think he felt a bit miffed because he saw the increased taxes that, might, that would happen on the middle class as basically a de facto premium. Oh, um, right. yeah. and, and I can see that to a certain degree, but I'm just like... It is, but like I, I feel like, like taxes aren't supposed to be like that much of your income, right? Like it, it's and it's it's on a scale, so you know it's like twelve percent up to this point, and then you know twenty four on this amount and all that, right? Right. And so I feel like when you say increase in taxes, right, which is going to turn into like at least in a wage earners. Uh, position more money needed and be taken out of your pay um from your from like your exemptions and all that right um and when i think about it from an economic standpoint it's like so if you were paying like 1200 more a year which is 120 dollars more a month which is 40 dollars a paycheck if you get four paid four times a month you know uh, I think that, yeah, $80. Oh, no, no. My, my math's a little bit off on there. I think 40 80, 80. Anyway, who was it? I'd say. Um, but, yeah, so, like, and you break it down like that, it's all like, like, are, are you are you going to be like, uh, are you really mad that, like, if somebody took out 40 more dollars of your paycheck, that you would be able to go to the hospital and be like, hey, I'm hurting, and then not be like, how am I going to pay for this shit? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That That's... That, yeah. that, that's that's kind of where I'm at, and that's kind of my overall critique of the Medicare for all versus the Medicare for all who want it sort of thing. Because I think uh, kind of like homework for y'all. I want y'all in your spaces, uh, very like interpersonally, on your walls, on your Twitter sphere, wherever. He's talking to the listeners, man. He's not even talking to me. Right. <laughs> uh, I want y'all to ask the people who might be, you know, a little bit, a little bit mere, a little bit mere, like a little bit cardi be like near against um That's cardi b <laughs> you know you know we get cardi b makes so weird near anyway uh, <laughs> uh why like one if they do like their insurance why are they like in their insurance and and then what their main gripes or main fears or anything about medicare for all would be because i think that conversation needs to happen because i think in the left sphere i think that is one of the biggest things that is coming down the pipe and i am team medicare for all like like and, and I've had okay insurance for like the duration of my working career, but I also haven't had big shit happen to me, so that's probably why my b- mind is you know skewed on that. So, so yeah, I, I I thought that that was an interesting about the debate. I'm trying to think. I haven't um, 
mentioned Julian Castro. And I feel like at times he was a little bit contrarian to other people. Um, he did bring up an interesting thing in the uh, gun confiscation debate because I feel like the two polarizing sides were mandatory, mandatory versus voluntary. Um, and uh, like Kamala Harris is like mandatory. And she's like, she started doing statistics and then she pulled the, I don't want to tell you how many times I've had to tell people that uh, their significant other died. I was like, you said this before we get it. Um, this photo on CNN of the picture of them right after the debate uh where they're all standing in front of the podium is like, it, because it's like on a open stage and the pit is like all the press and all that below them, it looks like they're people in a theater. Like this is like a play. <laughs> like, oh wow! Presidential debate. The <laughs> oh shit! Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Good night, folks. Like I could see like roses. You know, they take a bow together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of the stage of the debate. It's interesting. It makes. It's like it is in a way a theater. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's them just, I mean, they're trying to vocalize whole uh, swaths of American politics that they've, you know, accumulated on these, like, runs through all these states. For sure. So, um, yeah, it's this uh, this interesting amalgam of, of people up on that stage. But, yeah, presented in that way that they're up on the stage specifically, it's it's interesting. It's, it is a bit of theater. Yeah, indeed. Uh, like, what was it? Oh, yeah. With Julian Castro, um, he brought up an interesting thing about how, like, if you're going to be mandatory, there's a certain swath of Americans who don't want cops running up in their shit, being like, where your guns at? Where your guns at? <laughs> like, so, so I was like, yeah, I think you got a point, Julian Castro. Right, so you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where I'm at with the whole like mandatory versus voluntary thing yet. Like, I think you know, from an urgency and an impassioned point of view, I am like in a way for mandatory for AR 15s. But honestly, I just want to be like black people, get yourselves an AR 15, right? You know, I mean, like remember wow. when the remember when the Black Panther? I mean, that's nothing Killer Mike ain't said, okay. but <laughs> like. Okay, just I'm just trying to get an idea of where you're coming from, you're like, Jazz. You're, you're like, well, my friend uh, Killer Mike also enjoys his opinion about AR-15s. I respect him. Right? Oh, well, He's no. Half of the supergroup around the jewels. No, no. What I what I'm saying is like, get yourselves an AR-15. Like it, it's it's sort of it's sort of like it's it's a joke, but it's more of a satirical joke. Uh, because like one, that's what Killer Mike said. Because it's going back to the time where the Black Panthers and they were carrying around guns during the Capitol, and when they were like, "Oh, oh, oh, we had about this life," so you know they legislated that shit. So what I'm saying is like, if black people, and I don't just mean black people in Texas, right? Because you know black people in Texas have guns because everybody in Texas has guns, but. Um, if you elsewhere, right, and, and I mean, you live in that suburban lifestyle, right, or, you know, you might live in, like, that downtown area, you know, like, get yourself a nice, like, get yourself a sidearm and get yourself an AR-15, right? Like, and then, you know. It's crazy advertising. <laughs> right? Like, no. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm not advertising. I mean. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying that. Make sure black people buy AR-15. I mean, because sometimes you might so need you to made, protect your I'm just ass. saying, if you took quotes from the show and made a t-shirt, one of the quotes would be, get you an AR-15, yo. Chaz. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, if you do that, it'll make a statement, right? It, it'll say that, like, you know, we strapped, so what up, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, it'll and and saying like it's the meta commentary, like if you want actual legislation around guns to happen, well, you now need to make white people feel unsafe, right? It is what oh, I'm I, basically I trying you. to say. I see what you're right? saying, right? Like that, that that's where I'm getting at here. Uh, like it, it's sort of like, yeah, you are an American citizen, and because of you know the United States versus Heller, you can get yourselves a gun, right? Like nobody ain't taking away no handguns anytime soon. You know, assault style weapons or you know military style weapons as you know people who are gun enthusiasts would basically smack you upside the head if you call them that because you know that doesn't tell you what it's all about right that that may or may not happen who knows but a wild episode (laughs) wild episode i don't know what's going on i was just like (laughs) lost in hearing about the debates but uh okay well besides buying an ar-15 did you get everybody you wanted to talk about in the debate you hit you hit at least nine people, so I feel like you got the majority. You might even hit more than that. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, we talked about Andrew Yang at the beginning. Klobuchar, um, yeah. Yeah, we talked about Klobuchar, and Klobuchar, uh, like, uh, I don't I don't remember any, like, because everyone says you need to have, like, those one-liners uh, or whatever. Um, yeah, who's writing her script? Right, (laughs) so you can be out there, and I feel like, and I feel like when it came to people who were on the back foot, who were on the back foot, she was on the most back foot. Right, I felt like her her explanations were more pleading, um, and like where other ones were, like I still felt like Buttigieg was like, come on, guys. Uh, But then I feel like Andrew Yang, Andrew Yang, like he was also somebody else swinging. Right. I remember one of the lines that he had was like, once again, Elizabeth Warren has like the uh, right idea, uh, but basically she has the wrong way that she wants to solve it. And that was actually a very interesting thing that I saw there, too, because when they're talking about wealth inequality in America, um, Elizabeth Warren wants to do a wealth tax and Andrew Yang wants to do a uh, value added tax. And I've been, I mean, I remember looking up a value added tax before and that deals with like consumption and what people are buying. And he's saying, and he kind of, I don't remember if his comment about, uh, your data, your data checks being a thing, but he did say that like, why don't you, if you want to see money from this, from my freedom dividend, yeah, we're going to do value added taxes, you know, to things being bought off of Amazon, you know, big cars being sold and things like that. So it's interesting. I think I need to do a deep dive on those two things to do a comparison, like kind of see what people's feelings are about it, kind of see what economists say about either or, you know, and see where kind of the things where people say if you tax the rich too much, they're going to leave the country with their money so you won't have the money to tax them. So what's going to happen to your public programs to uh, with the volatility of spending that people happen, especially whether things are prosperous or not. Are you going to be able to fully fund those social programs if spending goes down? So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. But I feel like I think Andrew Yang is going to be at the next debate. And I feel like he made more of a um, more of his presence known. But I think there's still like I'm I'm not his biggest fan because I still think like his policies aren't quite up to snuff. But I think I need to go back and reiterate for myself why I think that is. So overall, if like because we're getting we're getting into the primary season, mm-hmm. what um 
who what pairing would you like to see at this point or like given kind of the situation and and the likelihood also of a candidate selecting another candidate as their running mate so yeah that's a good question um so right off the bat i'm a i'm a i'm gonna be like off the wall crazy i want the libertarian candidate to be andrew yang and tulsi gabbard I want those two to run on a libertarian ticket. Because now, now I've said before on the show that I think they should primary Trump. But now that at least four of the big states have said that they're not going to hold Republican primaries, there's not going to be a way for them to, you know, get to the stage and actually kind of um, challenge Trump in the primary. So I think they need to do it in the general. And I think they can do that by becoming the libertarian candidates because I do feel like some portion of their base is within those spaces. And I feel like that's a good niche space for them to make an impact if they will. Like, I feel like if people saw them as the libertarian candidates, they would say maybe libertarians have a chance this time. Huh. Um, that's so- an interesting, but in a, in a direct way, that feels like that um, uh, polls votes so it ultimately to split the vote in that direction you think it would pull from both equally no i think it'll pull from conservatives more than liberals interesting and then the and then the liberal ticket over that would be uh so what would that what would the democratic ticket be let me be more specific uh so i think the ideal one um if people are like i want a revolution will be uh bernie and warren and and it could be either or right like i wouldn't be mad like they they do have some fundamental differences and I think those fundamental differences are from like, you know, one's more social democrat and one more is more of a capitalist. But I feel like they have the same spirit in their ideas. So I think they do mesh together the best and they give the best of both worlds. Um, I also think that I would see like, I also in a sense think that maybe another, for lack of a better term, marketable pair is um, a Warren Buttigieg. Uh, combination because uh, I feel like Buttigieg is definitely doing a, a great job running for vice president. I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but like I feel like when it comes to the way he wants to make a measured approach to what wants to go on and just like his image and all the other stuff that he represents as a person, I do see him pulling votes in too with people who feel like, yeah, a political revolution can happen with Warren and Buttigieg. And I do feel like they are, in a sense, if you wanted to appeal to the middle of the blue sphere of things, you would do it there. So, and that's kind of like where I see it going. Like, I mean, if Biden gets picked... (sighs) <sighs> that, that messes up the whole mix for you huh? i mean like <sighs> yeah <laughs> i can't i can't do any i just i just <sighs> like i mean i get it dude there's some people who like him and i understand why they like him like you know he comes from the obama era he seems like on the surface if you don't you know dive in a little bit on joe biden he doesn't seem problematic uh but you know he has a, a long tenure in uh in Washington, so you can see kind of the more pernicious things he's done, and you can see some of the successes he's done. But overall, I do think, like, he, he definitely is uh, the pinnacle of the 
But come on, not too much too fast, y'all. Right? And and I feel like that's why I'm personally like, Ugh. Okay. So. I, I mean, I get that to a degree. I mean, do, what do you think the likelihood is? Is kind of also a piece of that question. Because we're running into, we're starting to get, like, Iowa polls and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Warren in some of those places is polling second. So has surpassed Sanders, but is behind Biden. Um, so... Do you see a time where she becomes either the leading candidate and Biden becomes a factor in this whole, like, vice presidential thing again? <laughs> Could you imagine him being vice president Biden again? Man, you're making me want to throw things anyway. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't even think oh, of that. Oh, shit. I mean, it <laughs> he could. He should stay vice president. Like, right? I mean, wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Politics. I mean, like, Politics are... My answer to that crazy. is Cardi B. <laughs> That's Which is a great turnaround. I guess, you know, because I've been, I've been diving in lately. So, uh, a little talk about hip-hop. Because uh, I mentioned before, Wu-Tang has a uh, TV show. I think last time I was talking about the Mikes and Men. Of Mikes and Men. This mm-hmm. one is uh, uh, called An American Saga, and it's like a recreation of the evolution of Wu-Tang. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on Hulu. And so uh, I've been watching that, and that's just kind of re-sparked my initial love of hip-hop, which came out of the 90s. And that whole kind of strange scenes of the New York side versus the West side and all the way till now, uh, you know, where I'm watching like Dreamville and, um, uh, you know, Kendrick over at Top Dog Entertainment put out like just these massive hits. And of course, Drake OVO and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, man, like, and then of course, uh, since I think I know you've caught some of it, uh, hip hop because on Netflix they've got this rhythm and flow series. Yeah, that's just about jaw right there. Which <laughs> has Cardi B on it, has Ti Tip, has uh, who else is on it? Chance oh, the Rapper, Chance the Rapper, and then guests so like Snoop Dogg and whatnot. Uh, and so that show has been interesting because it's definitely like the American Idol esque of the hip hop show. Oh, for sure. It it follows all the tropes, right? It has the beef, like it, it's it's reality shows at their finest, and that's why I like it. Yeah. And then uh this one's a little different though, because uh, you know, they do the initial audition mm-hmm. and then after that they're kind of pitted in these different trials and like one of them was battle rapping, which not all rappers are like, you know, designed to battle rap but it's like it's a piece of that culture so that the tv show wants to to arc that into it and stuff Mm -hmm. uh so that's been interesting if you want to catch that series on netflix you've got you got hulu's rocking hip-hop netflix rocking hip-hop and then youtube of course all those vivo videos man oh yeah everyone teams up with them and drops all their latest hits pretty much in video form like weeks after they're available anywhere else Mm -hmm. and so uh been diving in on that since that show one of the episodes is filmed in los angeles it actually caught callback resident uh nipsey hustle it did it did in the episode so uh you know shout out to him all of his videos are still available out there on the youtubes uh from specifically his uh victory lap hit 
record that he put out just, you know, kind of before he passed. Uh, so, yeah, hip-hop, Alive and Well, has a rich history, so much so that they're writing uh, TV shows about its evolution and stuff now. Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, yeah, Rhythm and Flow. We'll see who wins that. Uh, I don't, I mean, I, I'd be like, spoiler alert, I guess, because people have to watch it, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, skip ahead a little bit, uh, but yeah, I think, because I, like, if I could riff on it for a second, because... Uh, like, I like reality TV, but that's because I'm a basic bitch. Um, but I really like, you know, the tropes and the structure that they put there because I know what drama I'm going to get. And I really did, like, because, you know, there's producers on the show. And if you watch the auditions, you know, like, they, they set them off nice with someone who's, like, good at the beginning. And then they give you somebody who's going to pop off. Um, at the end and then you know they got the joke ones in the middle the people who are trying but need to work on themselves all the way through and then you know right. some good people smattered in between right because like that that's how music reality shows work at least american idol style ones yeah uh-huh. they, but do they ever make music videos on the american idol because they had to make no. mu- music videos on this one no american idol it was more yeah it, it was like auditions then it was a group stage right okay i get that you know everything about american idol, <laughs> but what i'm saying is is uh, the making of the videos was an interesting uh, kind of side project of it all because it kind of created this artistic note outside of uh, just being the singer that they're trying to get because mm-hmm. ultimately that is the piece of it. You know, shout out to what I'm talking about where you can catch it on YouTube and all this stuff. Um, so there, some of them made some professional, like, solid music videos. They so did. They that, did. That's uh, a non-spoiler uh, description, so... But yeah, no, it is. It has all the tropes of a of a reality show. It's still fun, uh, and Ti and Cardi B definitely keep it entertaining. Uh, Shout out to my man, old man Saxton. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was I was mad because there was like two like spoiler alert, y'all. Uh, I was mad because there was two rap battle combinations that I was like, why are you making good TV? Like and. and <laughs> I, I said that because yeah. I wanted like the two people to stay. Like, um, oh gosh, uh, there was old man Saxon, and <laughs> see now you're now you're super spoiling. You got all right. I, I said spoilers, man. Uh, I'm allowed to talk about this. I'm having so, emotions. So okay, <laughs> so there were certain ones that you really enjoyed, but ultimately, yeah, they, their fate might be sealed. <laughs> People can stop, you know, fast forward, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, because right now I'm just talking up to the point because it's not even finished by the time of us uh, recording this because they come out every Wednesday. And I think they're, well, they did like three new episodes this last one. So I don't know. Yeah. So, all right. We'll leave it at that. Okay. How's that? We'll okay. Leave, <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, hip hop is uh, alive. It's sick. Go listen to Tupac. Go listen to Biggie. Play him at the same time and see what happens. Uh, probably great music. <laughs> probably hard to understand. Uh, yeah. So that was my uh, divergent topic from all the heavy lifting of uh, our debate discussion. Uh, anything else you need to leave the folks and listening public with 
Chaz? Uh, just a small call to action. You know how much I'm always vying for, you know, to be politically active and all that. I want to let y'all know that uh, New York City just put ranked choice, choice to voting on their November ballot. So if you know people in New York City, if you know people who are about that life and don't want to just choose from the lesser of two evils anymore, to show any big constituency like that, that's something like ranked choice voting can actually help to get people who would represent them in a representative democracy do your best to like get the word out there um you can go to this website act.represent.us slash sign slash nyc dash rcv dash on dash ballot so are you, you kidding that. me <laughs> do that job oh my god uh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some people say he's still mentioning the website name <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, go there, check it out, and then get the word out, because that's what I'm trying to do right now. I want to see it get passed uh, on the ballot, so, you know, it, it can be a, a, a road to get us there in all 50 states in the future. Yeah. There is a, a video called How Ranked Choice Voting Works. You can also maybe Google that. It might be easier than whatever Chaz just said. That's you know? true. <laughs> Fair point, Rico. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe people. Maybe we got a big URL listening <laughs> tribe out there that's just like, they're all about that URL life. They're like, I love a specific URL. So we'll have to start reading them. Uh, if they want to watch Nipsey Hustle, youtube.com slash watch V equals Q. And no, it's kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But it is out there. You could just Google it. Um, but yeah, as always, man, uh, I guess uh, calls to action. Also, you know, pay a little bit of attention to this election, but also see what's going on in your local area still. Make sure you know about any ballot measures or things that can affect you directly because those votes often, you know, are closer and like Indeed. matter to you maybe more in a way because they might be monies or uh, situations in your direct local area. Uh, but also pay attention to this national stuff. You know, try not yeah. to vote for Trump if you can. That'd be great. And if you feel like you have to, uh, cool, whatever <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I mean, I, got, I can't stop you. True it's, not, that. it's not how that works. Uh, you can get a hold of me at Seatown Mayor on the Twitter sphere. I tweet about once every three months, so it's pretty great. Uh, otherwise, you can send an email to hylbox at gmail.com. That's the email for the show. Chaz, how can they get at you? Um, you know, I'm Chaz underscore Baz on the Instagrams and the Twitters, and I'm Chaz dash Baz on that TikTok. So, you know, come see my barren desert wasteland that is not my social media sphere. That's but, you know. TikTok.com slash chat. No. <laughs> slash Z, lowercase c, TV. Anywho. Wow. Okay. They all got their, <laughs> they all got their algorithm startings. Uh, yeah, that's the show, folks. Um, as always, uh, keep it real. Uh, we're going to be back eventually. If not, have a safe Halloween. Chaz, as always, this has been fun. Has it been a blast? We out. Peace. Chaz, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. I'm the street's voice out west. Legendary self-made progress last time that I checked.